What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. Live from the first Midwest Bank studio on State Street, this is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Jonathan Hood. WMVP Chicago. This is Under the Hood. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. What's up and welcome in. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Open phone lines for you, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Sean, on the other side of the glass, Sean, are you doing well? You good? Man, it's good to hear your voice, man. It's good to be heard. Yeah, it's good to hear your <laughs> voice. Good to talk to you. Great week. Yeah, no question. There's a lot to be able to talk about today. That is for sure. Um, but I, I want to get your thoughts on baseball, everybody that's listening. Again, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Um, so baseball finally has returned. It's like showing up to the party as the hosts are cleaning up the place, right? Beer bottles are all over the place, you know, on all the floors, all the tables, Empty chip bags, maybe an ashtray with some foul smoke substance from early in the day, maybe some weed. And here comes baseball with their Hawaiian shirt and their basketball shorts and their kind of their white socks and their slides. And they're saying, woo, time to party. What's up? And it's like, wait, the party should have started at least in May, right? The party should have started in May, but it has not. May 26th. That's when everything started as far as the timeline of proposals. 82 games with sliding scale for salaries on May 26th and May 31st, 114 games with a full prorated salaries. And June 8th, 76 games with 75% prorated salaries. Then more negotiations in June. In June 9th, 89 games with full prorated salaries. And June 12th, 72 games with 80% Parade salaries in June 17th and June 18th and June 19th won't move beyond 60 games. And then on Monday, the rejection of a 60 game proposal. And now the vote is complete that there is going to be some kind of season. So we will get some kind of season. Okay, great. Wonderful. But here's the thing. Ideally for me, baseball could start in April end by the end of September and then get out. I'm totally good with that. Uh, not enough people are invested in 82 games in an NBA or NHL season, so I have no problem if it ended early. However, since COVID-19 prevented Major League Baseball to have a full complement of games, we get 60. We get 60 games for baseball. A mere pittance of games. 60. So this is going to be quite the sprint, right? This is going to be a sprint, that will be interesting on one hand, and on the other hand, it sucks that millionaires and billionaires couldn't come to an agreement sooner. You know you know why this happens, right? You know why here we are with baseball coming up in July, late July. You know why this is happening. This is happening because, ultimately, the owners and the players, 
they don't care about you and they don't care about me. They don't care about common folk that like to take our family and friends, you know, out to a baseball game, check out the food and the merch and the experience. And of course, our rooting interest in the teams that we watch. No, no, they're not interested in that. What we were privy to going back and forth, hearing from Jesse, hearing from Jeff Passan, hearing from Rosenthal, all these people that cover the sport. You know what they were covering. They weren't covering the labor issues with the owners and the players. What they were doing is they were covering a measuring contest from the jump. Who's going to blink first? That really was a shame. And here we are on the side of the road waiting for baseball to start. And now we're going to get baseball. There's going to be some semblance of baseball. Yes, it's going to count, too. I'm not going to be one of these guys who will tell you that whoever wins the World Series, it's not, it doesn't count. No, this is going to be what baseball considers a season. An abbreviated season, nonetheless, but it's going to have an asterisk next to it, and that's totally fine with me. But I just I can't help but to think about the damage that baseball has done to itself, where they eat themselves from within, corroding from within. You know, all the question marks about what baseball is going to be all about for the near future, whether or not baseball will be a viable top three sport, top five sport, not financially, not financially. Move the money to the side. I'm talking about as far as popularity in which sponsors would want to be part of it, in which you look at the sport and you wonder whether or not it holds up today versus sports that we see uh, you know, like UFC or pro wrestling or the NBA or the or uh, some of these other sports like soccer. Will baseball even hold up today? It's a big question. For someone who grew up in the 70s watching baseball and really enjoying baseball, enjoying the sport. It was cool to be able to watch baseball because it was a different time where yeah, baseball doesn't have a clock, but it was okay because when you're a kid in the 70s and the 80s, you're not concerned about the clock. You're not concerned about, well, what are we going to do next? It wasn't about being itchy in the seat. When you were watching boxing during that era, you were going to settle in for 12 rounds, 15 rounds. Uh, very rarely did you see that first round knockout on a regular basis. This is when Mike Tyson started coming around. But before that, you're seeing Ali dance around and punch and, and show what he could do for the sweet science for 12 to 15 rounds. You saw uh, Ray Leonard and some of those guys from that era just continue to give you quality. You weren't worried about a watch. You saw some of the great tennis matches of all time. Those guys in the 70s and 80s and those women in the 70s and 80s. You weren't worried about the time that they were out there. You were just concerned about who's going to win, who's going to lose, and whether or not you're entertained. And so now, here we are in 2020, where people are concerned about, am I going to be entertained and how long will it take for me to be entertained? As we talk about this on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So according to The Athletic, theathletic.com, regarding the White Sox, with their schedule limited to regional travel between the American League and National League Central, the White Sox will play the Royals and Tigers for a third of the season in 2020. They both could be better than their awful 2019 campaigns, but neither team invested in transformative changes this offseason. So what really I honed in on with the White Sox, as a White Sox fan, is for interleague games of peace. So four interleague games of peace against 
a decent at worst Cardinals, Reds, Brewers, and Cubs could be very challenging. But every National League team is adjusting to the imposition of the universal DH. Ah, the DH. You talk about trying to catch up with the Joneses, right? You're trying to be able to be uh, appealing to a modern audience. Because the audience I grew up with as a kid versus now is totally different. You know that if you are a person of a certain age, you know that things have changed in a big way. And so changes to baseball makes people turn their heads. Baseball has not made anyone turn their head since Sosa versus McGuire in the home run chase. So the Universal DH, I can't wait. As an American League fan, now we get baseball the way God wanted it, with a DH, universally, National League and American League. As far as the Cubs are concerned, from that same athletic piece from TheAthletic.com, all teams can choose to have a second location for training during lead-up to the season, where up to 20 players who aren't on the 40-man roster can can work out. During the season, the taxi squad will continue to train at the second location while the active roster works at Wrigley Field. After a brief two-year association with Class A Kane County Cougars, the Cubs switched their affiliation to South Bend. So Andrew Berlin is a minority investor in the Cubs, owns the South Bend Club, a 17,000-square-foot performance center adjacent to the minor league stadium. That could be a logical spot for a taxi squad. So uh, what I like is some of the detail that we're seeing here where you're starting to see some thoughts uh, from baseball teams on what their contingency plans are. So so baseball is here, and we're going to get it in July. But once again, no matter what happens and where these games are being played and what time these games are going to be played, there will still be a bitter bile in my tongue about this season. 2020, where everything has been turned upside down politically, socially, sports-wise, entertainment, everything else. Everything's been turned upside down. And somehow, some way during all this, that baseball could not come to an agreement until now. Here we are. It's going to be for the July very soon, and now all of a sudden, here comes baseball. And I would have understood, me as a baseball fan, I would have understood if baseball would have said, well, we're, we're not going to play games because of COVID-19. We're going to be very careful. Well, you, you, know, you can't beat the disease, clearly, right? As many people have died in this disease, you can't beat that. Um, but if it was COVID-19 and you, you understood baseball want to be cautious with it, that's one thing. But when you are going through what you're going through, many of us are not working. Many of us have had our hours changed. Many of us are trying to figure out how we can be able to live from check to check. How can we pay for the, the gas bill? How can we pay for the light bill? These th- things that we have to deal with on a monthly basis in our household, right? Trying to figure out how you can make ends meet. And yet the baseball that you're used to watching, Cubs, Sox, Brewers, Tigers, whoever you're a fan of, St. Louis Cardinals, whoever you're a fan of, these people... These people could have walked away from the table and still have money. See, the players and the owners both have money. They have all of them, for the most part, have generational wealth. Even those young players still have more cash than many of us will ever see. But unfortunately, baseball wanted to be able to have this tug of war. So no matter how this ends, you'll never forget that baseball 
did this to us to make us wait 60 games, a mere pittance of 60 games. Not even uh, not even half the season, not even 81. Not even 81, 82 games. They give us 60 and say, here's your, here's your baseball. Stick it where the sun don't shine, fan. Here you go. And many of us probably won't be able to go to those games because of COVID-19. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Some thoughts now from Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan uh, was talking about uh, some of the issues regarding baseball's return. He says, return of baseball needed for the world of sports. Look at what the sporting landscape looks like right now. Like, I'm digging UFC, and I'm watching more boxing than I have in forever, and the end of the NASCAR <laughs> race yesterday was fantastic, and, like, golf's exciting. The hell is going on in the world? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that the sport that I cover that has three and a half hour games with minimal action is is exactly you know uh, a whole barrel of laughs. But the idea that we're going to have 15 baseball games a night for two months in a sprint. It's not a 162-game season, but it's got a chance to be really compelling in its own right. And I'm looking forward to to telling the story of that very weird, awkward moment in time that we're living right now and baseball's place in it. Thoughts there from Jeff Passan, who covers Major League Baseball for ESPN.com. Open phone lines for you. Are you looking forward to the return of baseball? Just anything in particular that stands out to you about the return of baseball, uh, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. All right, I want to get your thoughts on the baseball season returning. Um, and coming up next, I want to find out uh, some thoughts about the difference between fear-mongering and fact when it comes to our sports landscape. I'll take your phone calls and talk about fear versus fact next as you're listening to Under the Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Yeah, baseball's back, but, you know, it, it took all this time for the players and the owners to have some kind of agreement. Yeah, that's something for me to complain about because this could have happened weeks ago, maybe a month ago. But, again, the back and forth, and ultimately they don't care. Because if we were kept in mind when it comes to baseball, if we were in the mind's eye of players and owners – when it came to Major League Baseball, you know what? You know what would happen? They would have said, you know what, for the fan and to be able to unite baseball fans together, let's see if we can do it. I mean, boxing has figured this out. UFC has figured this out. Pro wrestling, to an extent, has figured this out. But baseball continues to be behind the times. Old school labor issues. But baseball's here. And so that means that uh, we're going to have the baseball show coming up uh, on ESPN 1000 that I'll be hosting starting on the 6th of July. This show will start at 6 o'clock instead of 7. So we'll have a baseball show and we'll get you ready for Cubs and Sox whenever they do play. But it starts on the 6th of July. So uh, if you're looking for us at 7, we'll be already be on at 6 starting on July 6th uh, right here on ESPN 1000. I'll talk to you a little bit about... Um, 
what I've been seeing and many of us have seen regarding coronavirus and the COVID-19, whether or not there's going to be a a potential vaccine or the cases, I would just, yeah, you look at these numbers and they're eye popping. Okay. You just turn on uh, anywhere that you find news or wherever you go through your social media, even even if you're not looking for it, sometimes these numbers just come up when someone all of a sudden puts on your screen television, iPad, phone, whatever. These eye-popping numbers of coronavirus cases of 9,520,043 and and how many deaths that we see over almost 500,000 deaths. This is talking about worldwide, not, not in the United States, but worldwide. And those that have recovered and the active cases and the closed cases. And then when you want to get away from it, you go to um, ESPN.com and you're just trying to look for a sports. All right, so we know about coronavirus. And then you see, you know, that uh, Jabari Parker, Chicago Zone, Sacramento Kings forward Parker tests positive for the coronavirus. That uh, Ezekiel Elliott, the Cowboys running back, he's normal now, uh, but he had the coronavirus at one point. And looking at some of the names and how in baseball that there's four or five teammates on the same team with coronavirus and you know what I'm thinking when I'm seeing this? I'm thinking that when I'm looking at, you know, Philly's virus count 12 after four more, uh, more test positive. So I saw that on ESPN.com earlier. But you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking that we as sports fans, we crave our sports. We crave our sports, even though this show in particular has been able to move forward every weeknight talking about sports-related stories ever since March. The last sporting event I went to was in mid-March. I'm calling a U. I was off of ESPN 1000 calling on the UIC baseball game, their first home game of the season, and they're taking on a team. And I kept looking at my phone, and my phone just kept buzzing. And it was the story of how the Utah Jazz and Rudy Gobert has coronavirus and that there's an issue with Donovan Mitchell and that there's a couple of games that are going to be postponed. And after the game, like, I can't talk about this on the air because I'm just looking at my phone like, what is what is going on here with this virus? This is in its infancy where we didn't have a lot of information about it. I called Bleck on my way home from UIC and I said, what the hell is going on? What do you, what is going on? Are there games being canceled? And he just laid it out. Everything that was going on because he was watching the games that Wednesday night in March. And he was telling me about, well, you know, there's a coronavirus going on right now. And there's an issue with Utah jazz and Sacramento Kings and games are being canceled and games are being wrapped up and the NBA is going to cancel the season. I said, what is going on? Like all of this is foreign to all of us until we see it on the sports landscape first. But here is my, my ultimate point to you. My point is, is that when baseball and basketball and the NHL and wrestling, and I'm and using wrestling in this conversation as well, because I'm going to talk about this in just a moment. We have all of these sports that are trying to rush back onto the sports landscape. You know what they're saying? They're, they're saying that, you know, don't be a fear monger. Like, yeah, there's coronavirus out there and there are people dying from coronavirus, but man, we just got to keep it moving. Right. 
One can't grieve forever. We just got to keep moving. But the facts are the facts. I've heard someone on this station use coronavirus talking about how the coronavirus is a theoretical coronavirus, as if all of this that we're seeing, all those bodies that are stacked up in coolers across this country because they can't get into uh, having a funeral like everyone else or some kind of uh, ceremony is not true. Like all of this that we are seeing on a daily basis when players Comedians like D.L. Hughley, as we saw uh, this past weekend in Nashville, falling out on stage uh, with symptoms of the coronavirus. All these things are happening. It's not about fear-mongering. It's not about trying to make people alarm. It's about how there are many, clearly in sports, and because this is our lane here, that want to be able to get sports back on track because of money because of normalcy the way they see it and it's about control and ego all those things are wrapped into this vicious stew of trying to make it seem like that yes there are people that are wearing masks but why would you wear a mask why why would you even why would you care about the next person that's with you right there's someone in front of you six feet and why why they don't need to wear a mask why do that? Why care about the person that's next to you or six feet ahead of you? You just do you, right? Just be you. Why can't you walk into that Home Depot or to that grocery store without a mask? Who cares if you have the virus and you spread to someone else? As long as you can uh, march right into that grocery store, by God, go ahead and gr- march in that grocery store. But the point is, is that a lot of these owners... A lot of these general managers, they just want sports just to continue, just to move forward as if there's nothing going on. And so baseball in their, you know, in their infinite wisdom going back and forth and finally they have a deal in place. But the thing is, is that they had a deal in place before they had the parameters for what to do with COVID-19. <laughs> During all these negotiations of who's going to get what money and and who's going to come out on top in these negotiations, there was no plan by Major League Baseball to do what's best for the athlete. See, you and I cannot be so selfish in that we love sports and don't care about the athlete. You care about your team, but don't care about the athlete. Ultimately, the reason why that we love sports is because of the athletes on the field of play. So there is no sports without the athlete. So why can't sports take care of the athlete? The idea that, as we talk about this with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the idea that we're just trying to rush basketball back, right? Basketball does have a 100-page plan. There's some quirkiness in that 100-page plan for them to go to Orlando and have all these dudes sequestered in one spot in Orlando, Walt Disney World, and all these teams. Not 16. No, they had 22 teams now that's going to be going to uh, these NBA games, preseason, regular season, playoffs. 22 teams. I mean, 16 would have been fine, the playoff teams. No, they wanted to add more star power. So you're just playing with God every time that you feel like you want to just throw these people out here knowing that there's a coronavirus uh, that could kill people. But as long as you get your sport, it's cool, right? It, it's, it's really strange. 
that baseball did not have a a plan in place, a COVID nineteen plan in place. What if someone has COVID nineteen? So what do you do? So you you quarantine them for fourteen days, and then what? The plan should be about the athlete first. The NBA and uh, Silver really wanted to get the NBA back. And so they were trying to figure out the, the plan to be able to get not 16 teams, 22 teams, because more bodies in a, in a uh, pandemic is actually much better, right? More bodies out there. Non-playoff teams is much better, right? Have more people out there that could, could be able to have the risk of having COVID-19. Have more players out there because God knows you and I need to see Phoenix and Sacramento again this season. God knows you and I need to see Washington play again this season. And then I get on my social media. How come the Bulls didn't get a chance? Because we don't need any more teams in the 16. And then even with that, is there a real plan in place? At least the NBA put their plan out there. What's hockey's plan? Right? You know what UFC's plan is? UFC's plan is if you have COVID-19, we will uh, quarantine you, but we're going to keep fighting in the octagon. Same thing with boxing. But but it is, to me, what I don't get is how you can just try to rush back into having the sports because, God, we miss sports. But what about the athlete and his family and his health? Like, I care about your health. Right. You're listening to my show. I care about your health. And if you I'd like for you to care about mine, if we were together, I'd wear a mask just in case. Right. Just in case. It's not about control. It's not about the government. It's just about making sure that I'm safe and you're safe, too. But these athletes out there that are incurring the risk to be out there. That's a big deal because without the athletes we don't have any sports now we've been swimming along just fine without sports here on since march since the beginning because we've got a lot of stories that we've covered here on the show but without the athletes we don't have sports to, t- to talk about on a regular basis and that is a problem the theoretical COVID 19 as some would say yeah you know, it's not theoretical when you're seeing all these bodies uh, lined up and dead across this country not theoretical when my cousin died from COVID-19 or Stacey King's brother died from COVID-19, not theoretical. So I just hope that if, as these sports come back, the first thing is how can we keep the athletes safe? That should be the number one thing coming up next. We talk a little bit about, um, <laughs> about a big story. And for the first time on ESPN 1000 or anywhere, I'm going to talk about, uh, NASCAR and talk about Bubba Wallace. He had some comments to make last night. I will respond to his comments about the Confederate flag, nooses, and more. That's next on UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Under the Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Glad that you're with me here on this Wednesday night. Cannot wait. Summer of football starts tonight. If you're new to the show, summer of football, we do every summer. 
That's why it's called Summer of Football. Uh, Summer of Football, we do every summer where we talk about something football, something college, something pro, something with gambling, something with fantasy, um, college or pro football. Uh, so we'll do it every night at 8 o'clock when I'm on, right here on ESPN 1000. And we're going to talk to the Super Bowl champion, Bernard Pollard. He's going to kick us off with uh, our Summer of Football segment. Again, every night at 8 o'clock when I'm on, right here on ESPN 1000, we're going to give you guaranteed 30 minutes of something football. And it'll be the NFL, a little mixture of some things NFL that I want to get to uh, coming up at 8 o'clock. Glad that you're in today because I've got so much to talk about after being off for a few days. Um so this will be the first time that I've talked about Bubba Wallace, and I want to talk to you about it. And again, phone lines are always open. Care to 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Um, you know, we talked about baseball returning, your thoughts on baseball returning. Also about the coronavirus and sports. Are, are Is coronavirus uh, making owners... Um, and also general managers try to force feed sports to us, trying to rush it back. Uh, I, I just believe that there's just too many sports, including wrestling, by the way, in which there are more wrestlers now that um, were diagnosed with the coronavirus um, in AEW and also in the WWE, apparently, as we saw that came across before we came on today. Along with baseball, along with these other sports and sports entertainment, it is just uh, amazing how you're trying to force feed something through a pandemic. And I just don't know. I just don't think it's that easy. I mean, this thing is serious and you don't want it to be contagious to others around you. But some of these other sports are just saying, you know what, just test them and it's just fine. I'm just thinking, well, you know, there's more to it than that. And if you're one of these non-believers and don't believe like coronavirus is serious, then this conversation is not for you. But all I know is that when we continue to see on ESPN.com, on social media about this player, these group of players, this team uh, that are had the coronavirus and they had to go away from their team for 14 days, 21 days. That's a problem. It's a problem in sports, but it's a problem in this country and across the world with coronavirus. But, you know, again, there are some that think it's theoretical and it's not real. I told somebody that uh, I work with, hey, you know, I lost a cousin to COVID-19, and it's like that person never even blinked. They just moved on to the next conversation. <laughs> You know, because people don't care. They just get, they're 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 more concerned about their own stuff than whether or not something is happening to you, a coworker. But that's not surprising, right? It's twenty twenty. So, Bubba Wallace, I'm going to talk about this for the first time because I've I watched the race, uh, not the suspended race on Sunday, but I saw what happened on uh, Monday and how that was just a fantastic finish. But Bubba Wallace is emblematic of many that try to start something and try to be able to speak truth to power. You see Bubba Wallace and you see that face, young guy that is 26 years old, born in Mobile, Alabama, and he's part of the Richard Petty Motorsports number 43 car, Chevy guy. My family is Chevy people, so it's kind of funny that he's a Chevy guy. But there he is trying to implement change, saying that what's important is to try to bring others under the tent. Not just white people, but everybody under the tent for NASCAR for to help the sport grow. And so what we get a lot of over the last 24 hours is, uh, see, I told you so, I told you so. See, I'm in the business of I told you so. 
And so are you as a fan. You're in the business of I told you so. You hear something and something occurs and you say, oh, I told you so. You come to find out that sports radio is not for information, but for confirmation. It's about your beliefs of something or in something. And you have to have your feelings confirmed. It's about confirmation, especially here in 2020. When you're the first in anything, people notice, and that's either good or bad. Bubba Wallace wants everybody to be able to be a part of a sport that is the most segregated sport today, and that is NASCAR. So here's a story. So after the Black Lives Matter movement uh, really started to get underway after the George Floyd murder, Black Lives Matter has been around for a long time, but the point is is that it really became a central focus around the world after George Floyd was murdered at the hands of police in May of 2020. So then Bubba Wallace started to speak up about the issue of abuse by uh, of African Americans by people uh, that are here to serve and protect. And he became the face of a stock car racing involvement, the Black Lives Matter movement. It was on his car. So after that, on you saw NASCAR try to mandate the banning of the Confederate flag, which it tried unsuccessfully to do in 2015 to the request of its fans. Fans said, nope, don't take down the Confederate flag. On June 10th, such a ban was announced by the association. And so... Just stopping right there. There are a number of people that are listening in the state, a lot of people listening across the country, that have flown a Confederate flag, knowing what it means, but flying it because you're about the stars and bars. And it's about heritage and not hate. And you're about the Confederate flag. Some, eh, you know, are indifferent to it, but some are about it still here in 2020. And so in the state of Mississippi in particular, there's a player that plays for, uh, I believe, Ole Miss that wants the flag to be taken down or he's going to leave the school. A lot of people have a lot of opinions about what is going on in 2020 as far as trying to make change and saying that the same old, same old is not good. And guess what? Bubba Wallace is one of those people. Young people uh, across this country, as you just turn on your social media whether they are having protests, whether they're on social media talking about this in their forums, they want to be able to create change. And a lot of people don't like change. A lot of people are stringent and just are striding the fact that, you know, I'm going to stick to my guns because I love the Confederate flag. So that's, that's um, your right. But there are many people that want to have change. And Bubba Walsh, as a Generation Z athlete or driver, wants to have that change. So on June 23rd, an investigation by the FBI concluded that Wallace was not the victim of a hate crime. The, uh, there was a noose that was, quote-unquote, a pull-down rope with a loop that was located over an overhead door. It had been in the garage since 2019. The FBI's determination led to people criticizing Wallace on social media, saying that he was fake and questioned his integrity. So... That is the ultimate story about Bubba Wallace. So again, in order, once a Confederate flag taken down out during races or, or at racetracks, wants to create uh, 
change for NASCAR and bring more people, African-Americans, whites, Latinos, Asians, bring everybody under the tent to be able to enjoy NASCAR, not just white people, but everybody. And just for to for everybody to feel comfortable going to NASCAR races. And so he is the agent for change. A noose is right there in his garage. And then he kind of find out that the noose was not necessary for him, but it was something that was hanging since last year. Bubba Wallace on CNN yesterday says that I'm pissed. I'm pissed. I'm, I'm, I'm mad because people are trying to test my character and the person that I am and my integrity. And they're not stealing that away from me, but they're just trying to test that. And uh, as a person, Don, that doesn't need the fame, doesn't need the hype, doesn't need the media, I could care less. I could give two craps about that. Um, but to, to sit there and, and read, and that's my problem. I'm reading too much into it and are you investing too much media? time into it. I am. I am. Don't, I'm, don't, I'm, don't, don't. I know. Do I know. I know. I, uh, I'm, I'm trying hard not to. And, and after tonight, I'll probably turn my phone off. Uh, unfortunately, until about 730 in the morning where the interviews start back up again and we get to it all over. But Don, to, to hear my side of the story, and I don't mean to steal your spotlight of the show, but no, my side needs it. to be heard. Um, I don't know what time it was, about 536 o'clock on Sunday evening after the race has been called. Garages are closed. Crews, my crew was on a plane back to North Carolina. Um, uh, we were, I was about to go out to dinner with uh, a couple of fellow competitors, and we were talking about what time we were going to leave, uh, where we were going. And I get a, a phone call from, um, I'm in my motorhome. I get a phone call from the president, Steve Phelps. And it's a phone call, Don, that I'll never forget. It's one of those phone calls where you can automatically tell within the first couple seconds that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And and it immediately made me think of, oh, what did I do? What am I getting suspended for? Like, what did I say wrong in an interview? Whatever it was. Um, and so I'm thinking all the bad things or whatever it could have been that I had done, whatever I said. So he's like, right, we need to talk in person. So I'm like, okay. So he walks down to the motorhome, opens up the door. And the look that he had on his face um, alerted me in a way that I'll never forget as well. And it's still thinking like, okay, what did I do? Let me know. And, um, now mind you, I got to the racetrack at, uh, I don't remember what time, nine thirty, ten o'clock and slept all day just because that's all we were able to do. Go straight to my motorhome. That's the only place where I'm allowed to go. I'm not allowed to be in the crush. Mm-hmm. Um, but the conversation that I had with Steve Phelps was, I would say, and I'm speaking for him. I'm, I would probably say one of the hardest things, if not the hardest thing he's ever had to tell somebody um tears rolling down his face choked up on every word that he was trying to say that uh the evidence that he had brought to me that a hate crime was committed quote unquote um and i immediately thought my family was in danger and so i was about ready to call my mom and dad and to make sure everybody was okay Uh, but it was in the garage stall that our car was at and so i was kind of like taken back and not really comprehending everything i was just like what the way that I was communicating, like Steve was communicating to me that everything was going on. It was, it showed the the testament to him and the character that he has and how he's representing the sport and how he wants to stand up for what's right. And he's not going to tolerate any racist acts or anything. And I stand behind Steve. I stand behind NASCAR. Um, and like they said in their statements, if it happened again, they wouldn't change anything. They would do it all over again. Well, um, but I, I never seen the news. I never reported it. 
like I said, I was going to dinner. Thoughts there from Bubba Wallace, who was on CNN last night. Interesting um, commentary from Bubba Wallace, as I think that was one of his first interviews that he gave after learning about the noose and then the FBI concluding that Wallace was not the victim of a hate crime, that that was a loop that was a pull down rope that was a part of an overhead door in 2019. Well, I'm going to give you some facts and I'll give you a little bit of opinion, but I'll give you facts first because I I understand like a facts are not the number one thing that you want to know now. I mean, whether it comes to your news or your sports, you just, you don't mind hyperbole and shades of gray, but I know I'm old school. So I'm just going to give you the facts. I know it's, it might be a little bit difficult and it might cost me a rating here or there, but do you realize that bubble Wallace didn't say that he found the noose? Do you realize that it was brought to his attention? Do you realize that whomever found it brought it to the heads of NASCAR to have it investigated? Do you know that after the FBI did its investigation, and here comes the opinion, that NASCAR dodged a bullet as they try to be more inclusive? Because if that was set up for Bubba Wallace... It was for a setup for Bubba Wallace, that noose. That would have set the sport back even further. Here is one of the reasons why Bubba is blamed for something that he wasn't involved in. The reason why that he's blamed for something and people believe that he is like the 2020 Jesse Smollett. You know, the reason why that is, is because he's a black man with a voice for change. He's someone that wants everyone to enjoy the sport, have more fans and eyeballs at the track and on TV. But people on social media and pundits that look for the hot takes want to judge Wallace for the content of his character. You know, the content of the character that as they see fit. The difference between Justice Smollett from the uh, show Empire and this story that Jesse Smollett was trying to get attention. He wanted to be able to have attention and he did it completely the wrong way. Complete jerk for trying to come into the city and try to make it seem like that the police were coming after him. Here's a story of where Bubba Walsh says he was not aware of what was going on. Talk to the FBI the uh, FBI says that this is not a hate crime. Again, this is based on what the FBI has, has found. But the point is, is that the, F, the, the, the NASCAR really dodged a bullet here. And so, thank God it was not a hate crime. But even if it was, even if it was, let me tell you what the story would have been. This is how this segment would have changed. If it was meant for Wallace, maybe it still was, maybe it wasn't. Doesn't matter. Say if it was, though, what would the conversation be? That he deserved it? That he shouldn't try to change what the South has been about for a long time, and that's that Confederate flag? Would there be people that are on a certain side of the aisle that would say, oh, oh, that's terrible. I'm sorry that happened to Bubba Wallace. No. (laughs) See, we have to be real with each other, right? You know the story. The story in itself, now the FBI says that um, this was not a hate crime. The story itself is heinous 
and horrendous. But say, for instance, this was for him. What would the story be? How do you feel, Bubba? Even though you weren't there and there was a there, there was a noose there that was in your garage, uh, that was for you because clearly you want to be able to have more people under the tent for NASCAR. You want to, you're one of these agents of change. You know what guys like Jason Whitlock would have said? I'll use Whitlock for an example, but only in this regard. Whitlock was the same one on his former television show and anyone else that wanted to hear that when someone put the N-word and spray painted on the gate of LeBron James in his Brentwood place, Whitlock said, well, what's the big deal? Like, he was he didn't know about it. Yeah, like, you know, you just you just paint over it and you just keep it moving. And you can't be affected by it, right? If there was this noose that was intended for Wallace, and that was a story, how would this change? How would this segment change today? How would the narrative change today? Some would still be like, yep, that's cool. And some would look at it and say, here's a young guy, like many young people, that are trying to change the face of NASCAR, trying to change the face of the world in a positive way where it's more inclusive. And somehow Bubba Wallace is the problem. He's a young guy. He's going to check his social media and he's, he's pissed about it. He's mad because of the perception of him because he wasn't around it. Someone brought it to NASCAR's attention, but yet he gets the brunt of it because he's black and because he's a driver and because he wants to change. And once again, measuring the content of his character, even though he was not even involved in the initial story. Not surprising, right? As you're listening to Under the Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the ground at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Summer of football comes your way at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. The ESPN Chicago app we will hear from Bernard Pollard, Super Bowl champion, NFL analyst. We'll get his thoughts on a number of things uh, regarding the NFL. So, Davis, you were telling me earlier about the SWAC and MEAC. Now, these are HBCUs, and I've said over the years that strictly black colleges, uh, when it comes to football season and basketball season, I always say this, that they should have their own forum from a, a national television standpoint. All of these channels, right? How many channels? Do you, you got Comcast where you live in the suburbs? No, I'm a di- direct TV guy. You're direct TV guy. Yeah. So, so you, you more than likely you get these same channels that I get uh, as far as uh, a spot for HBCUs to be able to have their uh, have their spots on these uh, these channels. I'm looking and just like there's a plethora of channels, including Own Bounce, um, that stand out. Aspire is one of these channels in which if you're going to put um, like a set of uh, college football games or basketball games on, there should be a game of the week every week instead of being on uh, tape delay at midnight right. on a Saturday, right? I on agree. ESPN. Yeah. And we so, did see Aspire step up to the plate a little bit last year. They had a HBCU game day, uh, which is like a two-hour broadcast forecasting or previewing the games of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they stepped up a little bit. But other than that, we don't see a lot, and it needs to be exposed even more because there are plenty of HBCU uh, athletes going into the NBA and also the NFL every year. 
So, you know, and Tariq Cohen is, is one of them. Like, you can go through the list of all the all-time greats that were either in a MEAC or SWAC school, like Walter Payton and Jerry Rice. Um, it, it, there's a, a long list of them. But you were telling me that there is a change in the in the MEAC again, right? In the MEAC, they lost Florida A&M to the SWAC, which is the Southwestern Athletic Conference. The MEAC is the Mideastern. Uh, and now Bethune-Cookman, another member of the MEAC, looks to be making the same decision to go to the SWAC. Now, the MEAC is tied right directly into Aspire, the network, and BET has a connection with the SWAC and also their championship game. So this might be a battle of money, TV rights, things of that nature, but we might see the SWAC turn into the first HBCU Super Conference, which would be amazing. And, and basically, the MEAC is more known for they have that big college basketball tournament down in Charlotte each and every year, right, I think two weeks before the NCAA tournament. And the football conference basically is Grambling, Southern, and all the SWAC teams. Mm -hmm. They're no more for football programs. So Eddie Robinson, the famous uh, head coach down there at Grambling, and uh, Southern, they have the Bayou Classic each year, that uh, Saturday after Thanksgiving. So, well, what we're seeing is something that is definitely going to shift the landscape of athletics amongst HBCUs. All I know is that there you could always cherry pick some of these programs and look for athletes, especially from the NFL draft. There's always some, but here's the thing: it would be more as long if they had the platform from a television standpoint. I, I saw this earlier this week about. There's burning questions in the mind of HBCUs, sports observers, since Florida A&M University announced two weeks ago that it's leaving the MEAC to join the SWAC. Uh, and question marks about what the MEAC will look like. I still believe in two strong conferences. Um, you can still get Division Two and Division Three schools to to join, but it's still powerful, Davis. It still has yeah. power, but it can't be powerful unless you put them on a network where they can be seen, where you can a destination. Uh, where's the word networks stepping up with their <laughs> where's where's the religious can Joyce Meyer move over just for a second and just show me some good Miak and swack uh, football for once on a Saturday. And then you have to think about this where we are and where this world is. We've seen a shift in the mindset of young 17, 18 year olds Four of the top 50 2021 high schoolers for basketball have made the decision to attend HBCUs mm. instead of Power 5 conference basketball programs. And that's huge. Mo Williams, he just took the job at Alabama State, and he got the 22nd ranked overall player from the 2021 class. We talked the number one player in the class, Mikey Williams, is talking about going to an HBCU. So if this trend continues then we definitely will start to see more and more money and more interest from TV networks putting their spotlight on HBCUs, and possibly it will cause those programs to be able to grow. But on the other side, those programs have to step their game up as well. Sure. If you're going to be getting top 50 players from football and basketball, you have to be able to not, even, not just rise to the same level, a Power Five conference uh, programs, but at least improve your facilities 
and give them a reason to want to be around that program in the campus. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. We'll keep our eyes on that because I'm interested in, because there's always that diamond in the rough or two that come out of these conferences that get drafted or at least considered. And again, Tariq Cohen is one of those guys in the modern day with uh, the Chicago Bears. In two minutes, we will hear from uh, Bernard Pollard, a Super Bowl champion, as we start our 2020 version of Summer of Football on UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.